This podcast was recorded live at Life Church Lancashire. For more information on who we are and what we do, visit lifelanks.org. It was just before the Passover feast. Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. The evening meal was being served, and the devil had already prompted Judas Iscariot, son of Simon, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So, he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet drying them with a towel that was wrapped around his waist. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, A person who has had a bath needs only to wash his feet. His whole body is clean, and you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him, and that was why he said not everyone was clean. When he finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you have been set an example that you should do as I have done for you. I tell you the truth, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you have seen these things, you'll be blessed if you do them. Jesus the king of kings, the one who had it all. He could have everything he wanted. He was the king. He was the son of God. The one who could choose everything he wanted. Instead of choosing a throne, he chose a towel. Instead of choosing power, he took the place of a servant, Jesus, the one we serve. Today we're going to look a bit of what can we learn from Jesus with that act of service he did to his disciples. We're going to hear, we're going to talk a bit about of how do we learn to be humble with Jesus? What is really humility when we look at Jesus? And as we heard this story just right now when I was washing someone's feet, but I want to give you a bit of context before. So what they were doing is they were having the Passover meal, which was the last meal, the last supper that Jesus was having with his disciples. That happened exactly the day before Jesus was going to die on the cross. And he takes his disciple and he decides to have the last meal with them. So he shares what we now celebrate communion with his disciples. But when Jesus is breaking the bread and giving him the wine and explaining what was going to happen, Jesus also tells them, 
One of you is going to betray me. One of you is going to hand me over to the soldiers. When Jesus says that, the disciples start having a conversation that I would believe somehow became like a heated discussion of, who is it? Can you imagine, you're there, and Judas was there, and he knew it was him. But they started asking, how come? Jesus, we're here with you. Peter even said, Jesus, I'm going to die with you. And Jesus just said, one of you is going to betray me. And let me tell you, when he washed the disciples' feet, he washed all of them. I can't imagine Jesus kneeling down and looking into Judas' eyes and washing his feet. And Judas thinking, that is me. But Jesus, the king of kings, the one who would have chosen the throne, gets his towel, kneels down, and washes the feet of the one who betrayed him. And when the disciples are having that discussion, that what became an argument, it ended up becoming an argument of who is the greatest. Because I believe they were like, it's not me because I'm the one who was with Jesus. It, I, 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 the Bible doesn't say it, right? But I, I would believe Peter would be like, look at all of you who here has walked on water. I did. So I'm the best one here. I would never betray Jesus. John would probably have said, look at all of you. I'm the one that he loves the most. I'm the one who like can recline my head on his chest. And they just started having that conversation of, who is the greatest here? And what Jesus do, Jesus doesn't go into their pity discussion. Jesus, Jesus doesn't buy into that because Jesus could just have said, let me tell you, I'm the greatest here. I'm the son of God. Let's end the conversation right there. But Jesus kneels down and he takes the place of a servant. That place, that job of washing someone's feet in a house before they were having a meal, it was the lowest of the lowest of the jobs. Do you know, like, there was a servant that would serve the meal. To be a servant, it was a red, not a great job. But, like, there was the ones who would serve the meal, the ones who would bring the wine, the ones who would clean. But wash the feet. If you're the one who washed people's feet, I did it today, and I love Paula, and I, like, I honor her. But I don't like feet. <laughs> I don't like people's feet. So Jesus goes on to wash his disciples' feet. And not just, Paolo was nice and clean. It was very dirty. It was very disgusting back then. That's why before they eat, because the table was very low, and your feet would be on display, a servant of the house would come and wash it, because it was so dirty. There was no pavements and things nice like we have right now. And a servant, the lowest of the servants, would come and wash so they could eat. Because I would believe it would be very disgusting looking into other people's feet. It's already a disgusting thought. But then can you imagine if it's very dirty? Like there was animal things on their feet. There was like more, everything that you can imagine because they were walking in sandals. Can you imagine you having to eat looking at that? No, the owner of the house wouldn't let you do that. But the owner of the house would also not do that job. The servant would. And Jesus on that day, when the disciples were discussing, who of us are the greatest? 
Who is the best here? Who all of us is the one who can be with Jesus? Who is the one? I'm the best. No, I am the best. I have done this. I have done that. I was with him when he was doing miracles. You are not. Some of the disciples, we don't even remember their names if you have to name all the 12. Someone probably said, people won't even remember who you are. And Jesus, to teach the disciples a lesson, he take the lowest job. He chose the towel. And later on, he chose the cross. Jesus, the one who could come and sit on the throne. Jesus didn't need to, to come how he did. And the most, it's beautiful to think that Jesus takes the servant place. But before that, he humbles himself to make himself into a human being, into a baby. He lets a teenager change his nappies, whatever they had back then. But he lets himself be looked after by a couple who probably had no clue what they were doing. The Son of God. But we live in a world right now that this is not even easy to understand. Because we live in a world right now that tells us we should seek the throne. We should seek the throne. We should seek status. We should seek a great name. We should seek money. We should seek to have the best and the higher job. That's what the world tells us. You're valued by what you have. If you have a great position, people probably treat you like a king. And you might walk into a place where someone is sweeping and mopping. And sometimes these people don't even get a good morning, a good afternoon. Because the world we live right now, the culture we are in right now, is telling us the throne is the place. The throne is what you need to seek. But then on the other hand, the world, our culture is telling us, seek the throne. But Jesus is coming and he hands us a towel. The world is telling you to seek power. And Jesus simply is handing you a towel, inviting you to serve. Because he says, when he says in that verse, he says, the, the biggest, the greatest, is the one who serves. But why for Jesus was quite, it seems quite easy to kneel down and wash the disciples' feet, being who he was. That is the key. Jesus knew who he was. The, the beginning of that passage we read, it says, Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and he was returning to God. Jesus knew. When he kneels down and washes dirty feet of people who would betray him, that doesn't matter because he knew who he was. It wasn't about what he was doing. His value wasn't in what he was doing. His value for him was in who he was. 
He knew he was the son of God. And I love that when you read the gospel of Luke, when Jesus is going to start his ministry. And I, I like to think that the, the Passover meal, Jesus washed the disciples' feet, is the beginning of the end of his ministry. But when he starts his ministry, when he's going to get baptized by John the Baptist, I love that God could have said all things about Jesus. You know, God could have said, this is the king of kings. This is the one who is going to die, but he's going to come back to life. This is the one that is going to do so many miracles. God could, have, God could have tried to prove to people who Jesus was. But when you read in Luke 2, Luke 3, verse 22, it says, And a voice came from heaven that said, You are my son, whom I love. With you, I'm well pleased. The ministry of Jesus starts with the words, you are my son, the one I love. That's what sets Jesus off to do ministry. That's what sets Jesus off to start serving people. Is his father, is the father telling him, hey, no matter all the greatest things you're going to do, right? Just remember I, I, can, I can feel Jesus, I can imagine Jesus thinking, I'm setting myself to death, and death on the cross. And Jesus, hearing his father telling him, hey, you are my son, ye whom I love. I'm well pleased with you. Hear that? Jesus had done nothing. None of his miracles, none of his ministry had happened and his father's just saying, I'm already well pleased with you. When, it lo when we look at what Jesus is doing, washing his disciples' feet, it's not about what Jesus is doing. It's about who he is. And when we come to learn about humility, about being humble, it's not about what we do. It's about who we are. It's not about... You just deciding, okay, I'm going to go on and serve everyone. But if your heart is not in the right place, that's in vain. Your heart needs to be in the right place. And for your heart to be in the right place, it's about who you are. It's knowing who God created you to be. When we think about humility, and I googled, right, that's what you do. When you need something, you go to Google. If Google doesn't have an answer, it doesn't exist. That's what someone told me. So when you Google the meaning of humility, Google tells you is the quality of having a modest or low view of one's importance. And then I was like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. So I went to Cambridge Online Dictionary, and I think I like that one a bit more. It says, is the quality of not being proud because you are, uh, are aware of your bad qualities. Oh, that makes sense. It's quite easy to knock down our pride if you're very aware of your bad qualities. But then Jesus teaches about humility. Can anyone tell me any of Jesus' bad qualities? 
I hope no one can because I can't. Jesus didn't have any bad qualities, but even though he teaches us about humility, how can Jesus be humble, according to Cambridge Dictionary, if he doesn't have any bad qualities? How can Jesus manage his pride? Because Jesus knew who he was. And then that brings us to learn about, we have two ways. We have true humility, and we have the false humility. So true humility is to have a right understanding of who you are before God and people. False humility just hides behind humility. Does that make sense? I'm going to give you an example. In my life, when I had to deal with false humility. When I came to the UK, I applied to do PACE, and my, my main aim was I wanted to do mission, but I also wanted to improve my English. So, but I wanted to do two things together. I didn't want to just go anywhere for the sake of English. So I came, I joined an organization called PACE uh, that Pete and Brian used to lead when I came. And I joined my team, served, I was happy doing that. I had come from leading quite a big move, mission movement in Brazil, but I was happy. I put myself under the leadership of an 18 years old, and I was happy. My English was rubbish. It was so rubbish. So I think my false humility starts there. I found it quite easy to put myself under someone's leadership that I thought internally, a lot of times I thought, oh my goodness, I could do a much better job than you do. But it was easy, and I would smile because my English was poor. So I didn't want to talk to people. I didn't want to do the things he was doing. Then after that, I became a team leader, and I had to lead people that the only language they could speak was English, so I had to speak or speak Right? Because it's like the, the thing is, a lot of us want to be in a position, we just don't want to take the steps or take the journey that takes us there. So it was easy for me to say to, or think, I never said it, I just thought, I could do a better job than you're doing. Um, but when I got myself in that position, okay, I'm going to lead a team. Then I saw that was not such an easy job to do, specific when you can't properly speak English. But I decided, I'm here right now. I cried for a week. But I was like, I'm here right now, and I'm going to stay, and I'm going to do what I need to do. And in that process of journey, I met Dan, and we, we started dating. And I was praying about God, but what next? And I knew God wanted me. I had prayed, and God, I knew God wanted me to stay in the U.K., so when I start praying, but God, what next? Then Pace opened up two positions to join the national team. One position was to be a training assistant, that it would be overseeing the teams, doing some training, and that involved a lot of upfront speaking. And I was speaking English for a year. My English was still not great. And I thought about applying for that position because I really love training people. I really love teaching. That's some of my passions. But then there was also another position that was to be kind of like not a PA, but is to do more the behind the scenes job. It was to be an assistant for one of the operations director. And I knew 
internal inside of me, I knew the best way to use the gifts God had given me, the best way to serve God would be going for the training position. But for a long time, I battled, and I thought, I'm going to go for the assistant of operations position. Because it's behind the scene. I don't need to be on stage. I'm not. And my friends back then, they heard me talking about it so many times. The phrase that I used to say a lot was, I'm not good enough. There are other people better than me. But inside, I knew I was good enough. And I was trying to show myself humble and saying there is other people better than me because I was ashamed of my English. Because I was ashamed that if I get on a platform and I start speaking and I say things wrong, what are, gonna, what are people going to think about me? What if I pronounce a word completely wrong? Or what if I say the verb that is completely wrong? What if I start speaking and then my mind just goes blank? What are people going to think about me? How ashamed will I be? I made that look humble saying, there are other people better than me. I'm just going to go to the behind the scenes. I'm good at the behind the scenes. And we need the behind the scenes one. It apparently looked, I was being humble. Yeah, put up the one that is better than me. But that was just false humility. Because I knew what God could do through me. But I was having that position of false humility, of trying to be humble but not being, because I was just worried about what people are going to think about me. When you know who God created you to be, when you decided to live through humility, it's not about you anymore. It's about God. The glory not, is not yours. It's God's. So if I come on stage or if I lead a training up front, and I did go for the training, okay? God did the work and I went to the training position. Um, thank you, Jesus. So it's not, it wasn't about me. And I do remember the first session I led up front, I said something wrong. And I remember a person at the back of the room laughing. And that for me was... So it wasn't that <laughs> people look at it. <laughs> it was one of the apprentices, okay? Um, <laughs> and I remember in that moment, all the feelings came up, all my pride came up. Because that was what I was afraid the whole time. And I remember just compose yourself, hold yourself, keep going, finish what you're doing. And afterwards, so many people came to say how great the session was. And I remember when I got home that day, I was just like, Jesus, what am I doing? I can't cope with that every time. And then Jesus reminded me, do you know how many people helped today? Do you know, and the session was about habits, was about creating habits that takes you closer to God. He said, do you know how many people are set to go on an year of mission in a better way because of what you have done today. It's not about you. Since then, I never stopped speaking. <laughs> I probably have said millions of things wrong. I have embraced that I have an accent because I do. Because it's not about me. 
It's about Jesus. Because I have decided to go on the journey of finding out who you created me to be, God. Not just what you created me to do. And I feel like sometimes we live our lives trying to understand and find out who you called me to do. Who you created me to be. And in the humbling journey, God wants to show you who he created you to be. That's why we can't decide to go on a true humility journey if we decided to go on the journey that you're going to say, God, it's not about me. It's about you. You can choose to say no to the throne and say, Jesus, okay, hand me the towel. I'm going to go around serving others. Whatever way you want me to serve. Jesus is, if it's cleaning the bathroom, I'll do that. Jesus, if it's being on stage, I'll do that. Jesus, if it's like welcome people, if it's like saying hi to people, Jesus, I'll do that. Because first I know who you created me to be. Because in the humbling journey, what Jesus do is not about what we do. Serving is not about what we do. Serving is who we are. We are servants. So it's not about being on stage speaking or being here on a Friday and cleaning. That doesn't level up who is serving better, who is the most servant. That's what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying, hey, I'm doing the lowest job to serve you. And tomorrow, because that was the day before, he's saying, I'm going to do the greatest that it is going to the cross to serve me and you. Because serving is not about what we do. It's who we are. Jesus knew. I can really picture Jesus on the cross suffering and the voice of the Father in his ears. You are my son. The one I love. I'm well pleased with you. Not about great job. You're dying. Great job. You have done everything. No, you are loved. And that's who God created us to be. We are sons and daughters. We are loved. And that's why when we really, really grasp that idea, it's easy to accept the towel. It's easy to accept the towel. We serve as an act of love. We pick up the towel as an act of saying, I'm going to serve you. Can we model a life like that? Can we model a life where we don't need to put others down to lift ourselves up? Can we do that? When you don't need to see someone else suffering or someone, someone else being pointed at. So you feel good about yourself like the disciples are doing. Can we live a life where we don't need to compete with each other? We don't need to compare ourselves to each other. Because at the end, we are all sons and daughters. Can we live a life where we deny the desire to be needed, to be important? So we might give the place to someone else who can actually do a better job than me and you. Because it's not about us. It's about God. It's about His glory. 
Can we decide to live a life like that? That you say, I don't need to be needed for this position. I don't need this position. I don't need to be important, to feel important. Because I know I am. I am loved by the, own, the one who owns the universe. Jesus washed the disciples' feet as an act of service and love. And we don't do it as a tradition anymore. Thank God we have showers. But Jesus is still washing feet today. When we come to Jesus, we are so messed up. We are so dirty. And Jesus just looks and says, hey, no matter what you have done, no matter what you do, I will wash your feet. I will wash you with the blood that I poured on that cross. I want to I wanna give us an opportunity to, to think about that. So I would love if we can close our eyes. Jesus, he washes our feet. has a demonstration of his love. He gave everything. He took the lowest position. He went to die on a cross. He had a sign put above his head that was mocking him. To invite us to say, I want to wash your feet. I want to wash you. If you found this podcast inspiring and helpful, then we'd love for you to get in touch via at lifelanks on social media or our website, lifelanks.org. Life Church, impacting our neighbours, our nation and the nations with the good news about Jesus.